The importance of being proactive with your mental performance rather than reactive. The importance of being silent as a leader or as a coach. How to focus on the right thing at the right time. What it's like being a female mental skills coach in a male-dominated industry like the MLB and so much more all coming right up. This is episode number 207 with mental skills coach with the Philadelphia Phillies, Hannah Hughesman. Hey everyone, welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. I'm here because you want to be the best version of yourself, but there are so many things that you need to do to get there. And because it's overwhelmingly complicated, it's easy to lose focus, easy to lose a sense of direction, which is why so many people end up becoming less than who they can be. That's why I create videos, podcasts, and programs to keep you on track to your best you. Go to nickcarrier.com to learn more. Today, I bring you mental skills coach for the Philadelphia Phillies, Hannah Huseman. Hannah is going on her third year with the Phillies now. She has her master's degree in kinesiology with a concentration in sports psychology and motor behavior. This one was so much fun, high energy episode, jam-packed with actionable material. Be sure to grab a notepad or take out the notes section of your phone because you'll want to write down her definition of mental toughness and so much more. As you're listening to the episode, be sure to tag me on Instagram at carrier underscore best you and tag her at Hannah Huseman, which is H-A-N-N-A-H-H-U-E-S-M-A-N. You'll also want to follow her hashtag mental sweat Monday because every single Monday, Hannah produces a one minute video on getting your mind right to start off the week. And with that being said, Monday mornings can be the bane of your existence. It can seem impossible to get motivated on a Monday morning, but not if you receive my Monday Motivation Trio 111 newsletter, or if you watch Hannah's Mental Sweat Monday videos. But for me, every Monday, I send out one motivational quote, one inspiring video, and one workout to get your week started off with a bang. Just go to nickcarrier.com slash 111-newsletter to get this in your inbox every Monday morning. Again, it's nickcarrier.com slash 111-newsletter. Without further ado, here's to getting closer to your best you with the one and only Hannah Huseman. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. I am super excited today to have the one and only Hannah Huseman with me today. And I just want to start by saying, Hannah, thanks so much for spending the time with me today. Hey, Nick, thanks for having me. I am pumped to be with you today. Yeah, of course. So uh, I was introduced to Hannah by my high school baseball coach, who I recently had on my podcast a, a couple months ago. And uh, it's been a super high downloaded podcast, one of my most popular. And a few weeks afterwards, he sent me a video of one of your Mental Sweat Monday videos. And he was like, you've got to have her on your podcast. Like, she's awesome. And so I sent you a DM and here we are. And so I'm pumped to, pumped to talk about everything that you do. But Hannah is the mental skills coach for the Philadelphia Phillies, currently working virtually because of how the season's going. But to introduce you further, you went to the University of Tennessee Chattanooga, UTC, and played softball and basketball. And you majored in kinesiology and exercise science. And then you went on to UT Knoxville and got your master's in kinesiology with a concentration in sports psychology and motor behavior. Um, but the way I want to really start is by what got you interested into the psychology side of things? Yeah. Um, wait, I have to ask, who's your high school baseball coach? His name is Coach Mike Strickland. Okay, nice. I'm from Atlanta. We played baseball there. So yeah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know because he's not from Nashville. But one of the things I wanted to add on there, he said he sends a lot of his videos to his team. Oh, nice. Very cool. I love that. I love yeah. hearing that. Um, so how did I get into sports psychology? So kind of a funny story. I had no prior introduction to sports psychology, no clue what it was. And so my mom, a little background, has her master's in clinical psychology. And it's kind of, we've always had this like really cool bond of like where we always have really deep conversations. And like, we're always kind of that person that people go to, to talk to. And like, I don't know why it's just kind of always been that way. Like, I don't know if we're just really good listeners, you know, now it's obviously like refined, but kind of always been that go-to let's just go talk to them see what they have to say person. And I definitely got that from her, but so it was my senior year of undergrad. Um, and like you said, I was studying exercise science, kinese, and I had to get a couple elective classes. And one of the elective classes was like intro 101 to sports psychology. And I'm like, okay, like, I loved all my regular, you know, gen general classes of psychology and counseling and all that. And I was like, what's sports psychology? Like, okay, you know, anything with sports in it, like, let's take it, right? Born and raised playing sports my whole life. So I was like, 
told my mom and she's like, do it. Like, why not? And from like the moment I walked in and like read the syllabus on the first day, I was like, oh my gosh, like we're talking confidence, composure, motivation, enjoyment, you know, resiliency, all of these things. And I'm like, wait, we're going to learn about these and like how to do them and why they're important. I was like, you're kidding. And so it ended up being like, obviously my favorite class. And I was like, I want to learn everything I possibly can about this. And is there further education? And my professor, um, Dr. Howard Baptiste was incredible. And she was like pointing me in direction of um, master's programs and degrees and found one that ended up being right up the road in Knoxville. It was like an hour and a half away. And um, it was just convenient and like everything worked out, applied, got in and ended up getting my master's in it. And I just knew like from that point, like I always knew I wanted to work in sports, but just didn't know to what capacity. And it was so cool just like being in this class, like randomly and being like, oh my gosh, like this is definitely what I'm supposed to be doing. And so it's cool, like still working with athletes and, and coaching athletes, right? My title is coach, but instead of on all the typical physical things that everybody else coaches, it's like we get to solely focus on the mental aspects of the game and and how the mental parts work with the physical parts to produce optimal performance. So that's kind of, it was kind of just happened, but it was cool. Cause you just, I just knew, like, I was like, this is a hundred percent what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I almost, I'm a little envious to be honest with you, because I, one of the things that I realized that I'm so interested in really over the last few years is psychology. And I don't have any formal studying behind it besides just like watching a lot of YouTube videos, reading a lot of books and interviewing people on my podcast who are the professionals in it. And so I feel like I have somewhat of an education in it now. And it's been the thing that I'm most fascinated by. And I almost feel similar to you in the sense that I told you beforehand how I coach people on their fitness goals. And I'm a fitness trainer. I know my stuff when it comes to fitness. I know my stuff in terms of giving nutrition education. But what I really think that I love to do the most is like the behavioral change side of things. Because with with fitness and with fitness goals, most of the time people know what to do. They're just not doing it. And so I like to try to close that gap for them. I think a lot of people, and, and this might have been you too, don't really know that sports psychology is really a thing. So like there's probably a lot of people out there listening who are like, huh, I didn't know the Philadelphia Phillies or sports teams have like a mental skills coach. And so with that being said, What's the importance of having a mental skills coach with a professional sports team? Yeah, well, I would say for all the people who haven't heard that and are like, what, that's a thing? Like, I get that answer all the time. So you're totally in the normal realm of the world. So it's, I mean, it's exactly kind of what you probably think it is. And so just like you have a strength and conditioning coach, just like you have a pitching coach, just like you have a hitting coach, now we are hiring mental skills coaches. So we, these are coaches, these most of the time aren't psychologists. So just real quick anecdote, right? There's mental health and there's mental performance. Although they have a very close crossover boundaries, um, they're very different, right? So mental health is more of your clinical anxiety, your depression, your eating disorders, suicidality, things like that. And your mental performance is more on field based things. So confidence, Mm. composure, um, concentration, focus, right? All of those things that actually directly affect your performance. Not that the other things don't, but it's kind of like on field, off field a little bit. So I focus mainly on the mental performance side of things, but so we're there helping them get better, just like everybody else is get stronger, get faster, throw harder, hit farther, right? Think smarter. Right. And, and so that's what we do. We're there. We're training just like everybody else. We're part of the culture, which is amazing. Um, because it it hasn't always been like that, obviously, and it's growing. Um, and people are really starting to kind of understand the importance of the mental aspects of the game, right? And like the higher you go in every level, the better everybody gets. And then all of a sudden, like you're in a level where everybody's really, really good. And so you're trying to find all of these tiny things that may separate you from them. And a big separator for a lot of players is the mental game. Like, are they, can they stay calm, cool, and collective under pressure? Can they not choke? Can they come back to the routines? You know, can they perform when they need to perform the most? And that's, you know, they're constantly put under really high pressure situations. And so it's, it's cool to see people really starting to realize and buy in and really put all of their thoughts and processes into working on their mental game too. And not just like, you know, destroying themselves physically, but making sure they're working on their mental game just as much as they're working on their physical game or really, really close to it. Yeah, right. Um, So give us an idea of kind of what that what that looks like, because is it, is it people who are maybe 
like currently they're struggling in their game and they're coming to you looking for solutions or what does exactly kind of the relationship look like in regards to the mental skills coaches and the players? Yeah, great question. Um, it definitely can look like that, right? It can look like, okay, I'm struggling. I need to go talk to somebody. I know it's not physical. I know it's mental. Like I want to talk to somebody. Um, but we also try to be pretty proactive about it, right? Because I think there's like a old time, like always been, you know, stigmatized as sports psychology is bad, right? You only go see the sports psychology person when all hell is breaking loose, right? Or when we're on this downward spiral and we can't stop it. Um, And so we're trying to create a culture around making it more proactive, right? Because if we can equip you with the tools that you need before anything actually happens, then you're going to save yourself who knows how many amounts of time, right? Whether it's a couple games, a couple ABs, or whether it's months, right? A huge slump that you could stop because you already had those tools. Um, And so we're really trying to make it a this isn't just for somebody who needs to like get a quick fix. It's for people who are genuinely trying to get better in all aspects of their game. And they're like, okay, the mental aspect of our game is just another notch in our belt that we can get better at. So let's go talk to a mental skills coach, right? Just like, how do I go get faster? How do I get better leads on the bases? How do I grip this ball better? Right. I just want to know how to do it a little bit better. And so I'm going to go talk to those appropriate coaches. And so that's, that's really what we're trying to do is create a more proactive versus reactive approach. And so we actually meet with, all of our minor league guys at least once a month, whether they're playing really, really well or really poorly. Um, we're going to meet with you just so you know, we're here um, and we're doing those check-ins and we're making sure we're supporting them in whatever way we possibly can. Yeah, no, I like that a lot. I think if more industries took the viewpoint of we're going to be proactive rather than reactive, then a lot of problems would not be as big as they are or would be, it would be minimized a lot. And so like you said, because you guys are trying to be so proactive, what are some of the maybe the most important consistent habits that these players are now adopting to be able to keep their mental game consistently strong game after game, week after week, month after month? Yeah, I think, I think that's a great question. I think it really varies with every player. That's the cool part of my job is, you know, there's no cookie cutter, do this and you're going to be the most confident athlete, right? Or do this and you're going to be mentally tough all the time. Like, right. Like we wish just like there's no quick fix in the gym, right? It takes so much time and dedication. And I think people forget that because they have like really cool conversations or listen to a great podcast or a great motivational speech. And they're like, oh my God, I got this. Like I'm fired up. And it's so much more than that, right? It's it's not just the what and like what I want to go do and, and all that, but it's how do you do it? And why are you actually doing it? Like that's the depth, right? That's the bottom of the iceberg. And that's the most important part. But a lot of guys face the same things, right? It's performing under pressure. How do I stay calm, cool, and collective, right? It's, it's I'm performing good in practice. How do I take this over into the game, right? It's controlling the controllables is a big one, right? It's a big stress. And I always say, you know, the de- my definition of being mentally tough is being able to focus on the right thing at the right time. Mm-hmm. And like, if you really think about it, almost everything in sports psychology kind of breaks down to, can you focus on what you're supposed to focus on in a specific moment, whether you're playing really, really bad, right? And you're like, well, screw it. What am I going to do now, right? Or whether I'm playing really, really good. And then all of a sudden I get too arrogant or too cocky or lose focus on what I'm supposed to be focusing on. And then on the mundane days where you're just like going through the motions, right? Can you lock it in and focus on what you're actually supposed to be focusing on, giving yourself the highest chance of success? I think that's the most important part. Yeah, gotcha. So yeah, and I, I really like that definition of mental toughness, being able to focus on the right thing at the right time. So for you, what does that kind of look like on a, on a daily basis in terms of making sure that you're mentally tough? Like how do you, how do you practically focus on the right thing at the right time and not let your mind completely wander? Yeah. I love that because it's really hard. Right. And, and again, kind of being able to focus on the right thing at the right time is also being in the present moment, right? Mm -hmm. Because, which is a big thing in sports psychology because we perform best when we're in the present moment. We um, enjoy more when we're in the present moment. We stress less when we're in the present moment, right? Because we're not worried about all of these things that are about to happen or all of these things that already did happen. And so that's a big one for me that I'm always constantly trying to do because I know if I'm in a conversation with somebody, if I'm in the present moment and like into the conversation, like I'm passionate, I'm pumped up, I'm confident, I'm excited, right? Enthusiastic about what I'm doing. And I'm also like being empathetic with that person, right? Which is 
a vital piece of being a mental skills coach is like being in those shoes with that person and really feeling what they're feeling. And because maybe you're the only person who supports them, right? Maybe you're the only person who knows something that they're actually going through. And so for me, like that's the biggest piece. And if I'm, if I'm off, like I know very quickly when I'm off and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I didn't hear anything that person just said, like, what am I doing? Like my only job is to support this person. And I'm like thinking about what's for dinner or thinking about when I'm, you know, and it happens to everybody. And so it's like, almost like constantly being aware that are you on, are you off? Like, are you locked in? Are you not locked in? And if you're not, how do you get locked in as quickly as possible? Because it's going to happen, right? You're going to get out of the present moment. You're going to fall out of focus and that's okay, right? Don't get mad at yourself, but have some kind of technique or strategy to pull you in as fast as you possibly can back into that moment. Yeah, no doubt. And I think I've had to work on this myself. I'm much better at it now than when I first started the podcast, but being present in in the conversation is one of the biggest, most applicable aspects of this is when you're just one-on-one with somebody, when we're doing a podcast and it's virtual, sometimes it's like, you know, I get caught thinking here and I have to zone back in. I'm like, okay, wait, what are they saying? What is the last like five words that they just said? Um, and that, and that really helps me. I, I went back and watched probably an embarrassing amount of your mental sweat Monday videos, but I really liked one of the videos where you talked about the mind body connection and you kind of touched on it a little bit where your mind can be in three places in the past, the present and the future, but your body can only be in the present. If your mind's in the present, then you have that mind-body connection. But if your mind's in the future or the past, then you don't have that connection and you can't be actually present with whoever you're with. Exactly. Wow, you went way back. That was an old one. I'm impressed. <laughs> well, well, I had to go back. I, I went back to, like, I watched a lot of the recent ones. And then I went back to see when you started it, which was January 2019. And so then I watched some of the beginning ones. And I, I also have to say, not that you were you weren't, like, bad when you started, but you haven't been very much improved. I totally agree. And I've been a guest on a few podcasts and like kind of what you're saying, like if you have just this like premeditated how you're going to do it, like it's great for like an outline. Right. But if you're just like, you know, I answer, you ask what color is this guy? And I'm like blue. And you're like, okay. And you played softball. Like, it's like, we're not even going to discuss it. Right. And it's like, the, it's like, it's not this flow. And it's like, it's almost like a dance, right? Back and forth. You're, you're connecting, you're both in the moment. And like, there's something really, really cool about that. And it's so cool on a podcast to hear it, but it's even cooler, like in a one-on-one session with someone, when you're supporting them, when like, you know, people feel heard, like how often do we feel actually heard as human beings nowadays? Right? Like everybody's going headphones in, in their phones. Right. It's like, who stops and actually listens to what you're saying anymore, right? Even when you order food, like sometimes they're not paying attention, right? It's like this crazy world, this go, go, go world we live in. And so I think if, I think a huge part, whether it's a mental performance coach or a fitness coach or a podcast host, right? You're like, if I'm listening to you and in this moment with you, like it's automatically going to be 10 times better than if you weren't. And like, mm-hmm. and that's what, I, that's what like the initial thing I said was like, we perform better when we're in the present moment, no matter what we're doing, right? If we're in a relationship and we're in the present moment, we're going to be better at it. Right. If we're in a relationship right. and we're thinking about all this other stuff that happened in the past, we're still holding on to that, or we're like stressing about what 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 does this mean? What's gonna happen? Like it's just not gonna be that authentic, just solid flow between two people. And so I think that's a huge mental skill that can absolutely be practiced. And like I always say, if there's one skill that I think every human being should should and needs to practice, it's being in the present moment. Like you don't have to be a top level athlete to need to be in the present moment. If you're yeah, a human yeah. being and you're breathing, you're performing somehow, whether you're a parent, you have a job, a spouse, right? We're always performing. And so it's like, you can always get better at being in the present moment. So that's, yeah. that, I mean, that's like my biggest thing for me. So. Yeah, for sure. And um, one of my recent podcast guests talked about how she's trying to work on becoming a better listener. And that's obviously very, very much around the same thing that we're talking about. And I talked about how the way I do it with my podcast is my goal when I listen to somebody else now is not to respond in the best way that I can, but it's to be able to repeat back what they said. And if I can repeat back to what they said, that forces me to be present. But to kind of like stay on that topic, obviously, when you're working with these players, you're having a lot of conversations and you're probably having to ask them a lot of questions to really see where they're at and really see what they're struggling with. What do you think is one of the things that you've had to work on most and you've seen yourself improve on through these kinds of conversations with your players? that has allowed you to become a better coach? 
I, I literally don't think you could have asked a better question because I was going to allude to this right before you even asked the question. Um, and it's so easy for me to answer that because I am like very vocal, right? I'm very external. I'm very outgoing. Like I'm always like, I've always been kind of the leader of the group, like whatever. That's just who I am. That's my personality always has been my dad's the same way. And so it's without a doubt staying silent. So it's like, and that's like, if you take any counseling 101 classes, like that's not that I'm a counselor, not that I do therapy, right? Mental skills coaching, but it's incredible for one-on-one conversations if you can be quiet. And that was always hard for me, right? Because like, if you're in a conversation and you're, and somebody asks you something or you ask them something and they don't answer, you're like, oh, let me rephrase that. Or let me say this, or, or let me, let me give you an example. Right. And it's like, no, 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 shut your mouth. Like in the nicest way possible, like be quiet because first off, if you feel the awkwardness, the person sitting across from you thinks it's even more awkward, right? So as much as you're panicking, so are they. And then if you can just be quiet and they keep talking, they'll end up telling you all of the things that you were originally going to ask. And it's so funny, like one of the old things in sports psychology is like, if you just listen, they'll probably tell you what they need. And like, but we're so busy, like, right with this set agenda and like, I want to help you, which isn't bad. But sometimes like I used to get in my own way and and I feel like other people can get in their own way because you're like, I want to help you. I want to fix this. Whereas maybe the only thing the athlete needs for you that day or the performer needs from you that day is to listen, like just be Mm -hmm. quiet and listen, like be there, let them vent and then be like, wow, that is really challenging and seems really, really difficult. And they're like, oh my gosh, yes. Like, thank you so much for understanding. Right. And so I think. I think that's definitely, I, I was not, that, that, that was hard for me in school. That was hard for me at the beginning of my career. But now it's like almost this fun game, right? We have team Zoom calls. We have staff Zoom calls. And I'm like, oh, it's getting quiet. And I'm like, it's getting quiet for a long time. But, and I'll jokingly be like, I can stay silent longer than you guys can, just so you know. So that's definitely been a, a pretty big separator. And it's, it's really cool once you actually implement it, what can come out of it. So I'm a very big advocate of that. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that skill. And I, I, I have seen the importance of that with me and, and coaching people as well, because I think one of the biggest things is everybody's had the experience when they've been asked a question, it takes them a while to think of the answer maybe in their head. And a lot of times they just have to like continue talking to actually get their answer out. And so if you're looking to help somebody and you're looking to help them solve the problem, sometimes it's going to take them a long time to actually get their problem out. And you need to be patient enough for that problem to actually get out. So you know what you actually are trying to solve. Mm-hmm. And then imagine if they can figure out what their problem is and then even suggest a solution. Now, all of a sudden, like they're solving their own problem with your help and guidance. And that's a huge part of what I do. Like a ton of what I do like is already inside your mind and inside your brain and you've already implemented it right to some extent or another, but it's like talking about it and getting it out and figuring it all out. That's going to help them. And so it's like, imagine if you don't say anything and they figure it out and then they figure out the solution, like then all of a sudden they're more bought in because they came up with it. And so it's like this really cool, like a lot of really cool stuff comes out of being silent. And like, I mean, we could go on for days about all the advantages of it. So I would challenge anybody listening to this, Casual conversation or not, like try to be as silent as you can and see how much better it goes from there. Yeah, no, I think that's a huge lesson for coaches, for any kind of leader to allow the people that they're working with or their team to be able to try to come up with the solution themselves. Because if they can take ownership for the strategy, then they're much more likely to actually stay engaged with it and continue to take action on it rather than you just telling them what to do and them implementing your strategy. So exactly. there's kind of like a lot of different areas. Like, you know, you know, you said when you right when you walked into that class and you looked at the syllabus and you were like confidence, motivation, dealing with pressure, there's kind of like these different categories of mental performance, if you will. And I think that one of the biggest ones for just people in general outside of athletes and that I hear a lot of people talk about is caring what others think about them and being able to block that out or not care what other people think. And I think with athletes, that can just be amplified. If you're in the spotlight, a lot of times people can bring judgment on you. And so with that being said, how can people start to care less about what others think about them, whether they're an athlete or not? 
I think that's a super hard question. Um, but again, I think if you kind of come back to what you need to focus on and when you need to focus on it, like you're going to start realizing like, you know, other people's opinion matters to some extent, but it really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. And like, if I'm, and I mean, it's, it's almost goes hand in hand with like what people are saying and also comparing ourselves, right. When we compare ourselves to others, like we don't know what their journey is. We don't know what they're going through. We don't know where they've been. And like, we barely even know where we are. Right. And, and so it's like, let's, instead of putting our focus all over the place on all of the things outside of us and most importantly that we can't control like let's put all of our time our energy and our effort into the things we can control so like instead of just wasting all of that energy on well this person said this or this person said that or I should be up to this or I should be at that it's like well where are we right now like let me just control what I'm doing like I can't control what they say it's almost like when a coach yells at you right and says something it's like okay we can't control what he said or she said but we can't control how we respond to it Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and so I always try to turn that question back on what can you control in this situation? And I think like baseball is great and life is great, but there's like majority of life and majority of baseball are things outside of our control. And like, there's so many things we can't control. And so to really actually narrow down, what are the things you have control over can all of a sudden give you so much power. And, and like, I did this one thing one time where it was like, list, list the things that are stressing you out. Um, and then go through those things and figure out, are they in your control or are they out of your control? And then if they're out of your control, like scratch them off the list and learn how to not give that your time and energy and effort. And then take the one thing, the two things that were on the list that are in your control and give all of your time and effort to that. Because chances are, if you give your time and effort to the things that are inside your control, the things that are outside of your control may improve also. Um, and if they don't, at least you're improving because you're controlling everything you can. So I think it really comes back into focusing on you. Don't let the things that you can't control affect the things that you can control. Yeah, no, I love that for sure. And I think that's an awesome exercise to be able to take and that a lot of you guys listening should take. Write out the things that are stressing you out. What can you control? What you can't? Freaking erase those ones you can't and start taking action on the ones you can't. Love that. So like I also talked about those, you know, these different kind of categories, confidence, motivation, dealing with pressure, these sorts of things. Is there one that stands out as the one that pops up most frequently for players in regards to like, oh, I'm just not having confidence or I'm not dealing with pressure great right now? Or is there just kind of like an issue that seems to be most prevalent? Um, that's a really good question. I think it, it kind of changes, um, with the times and like the time of the season, but I think a lot of it kind of comes back to what we were just talking about. Right. And all of the things outside of their control, right. They're constantly worrying about when am I going to move, get moved up or am I going to get mm -hmm. released? Right. Or what, like trying to play GM, right. Well, if he goes up, then I could go there. And like, what if somebody gets, you know, and it's all these things. And I'm like, we don't have any control over that. Like we have literally no control over that. So what can you actually spend your time focusing on that? If any of those things were to happen, you are in the best case scenario, right? And it kind of comes back to, I always say like, is it helpful or is it hurtful to your performance? I ask that question all the time, right? Like mm -hmm. it's kind of like good self-talk versus bad self-talk, right? Or negative, positive versus negative self-talk, right? I, I try to shift that into helpful and hurtful, right? Is what you're doing helping you and helping you become the best version of you or is it hurting you? And like, that's a pretty simple question. And, and you can ask in any aspect, like, is what you're eating hurting you or is it helping you? Is your workout schedule hurting you or helping you? And like that, sometimes that's hard because they're like, mm. and I'm like, I know we don't want to admit that something's hurting us, but which kind of goes back to the even the step before that is creating self-awareness, right? Because sometimes we don't even know that what we're doing is helping or hurting us. We have no clue. We just know we're doing something, we're reacting. And then all of a sudden we start performing poorly and then we don't know why. And it's like, maybe yeah. it's nothing to do with mechanics. Maybe it's because you're in your own head and you aren't even aware that all the things you're saying to yourself and the messages you're sending to yourself and the messages social media is sending to you, et cetera, et cetera, is hurting you more than you could ever know, right? And, and I always say like, if you feel stressed, you're probably even more stressed than that because sometimes we're so unaware of what's actually going on and the pressure we're adding to ourselves that we don't even know. No, I'm pretty calm. I bet you are, but I bet it somewhere in there, like there's some excitement and some nerves and whatever is going on in there. So 
I think that's a big piece is, is a hundred percent creating self-awareness, which then kind of turns into controlling the controllables, but also this like really cool self-evaluation and like, are you where you should be? Are you not where you should be? Which usually always is a hard conversation, but ends up being really, really powerful, powerful conversation. Yeah. I think um, it's really important if anybody is, you know, not where they want to be, there's a gap between the results they currently have and the results that they want. And when you have that gap and you feel that gap, it's really important to take the time to have that self-awareness, be like, okay, what actions have I took that are giving me these results? And come up with a list of those things and kind of using your question, which of these are helping me? Which of these are hurting me? Evaluate the actions that are getting you the results. The ones that are hurting you, erase them, change them, upgrade them, whatever it is, and kind of take responsibility for the things that you can control. Yeah, and I love that because you took it from, you know, okay, here's here's what I'm doing and here's the result, right? Here's what I'm doing and here's the result. It's a good result and it's a bad result, okay? So that means we're not changing, we're not trying to change the result, we're trying to change our process, right? Which is the most important part. And sometimes we can't control the result, right? Sometimes we can't control if we get a raise or not. We can't control if we um, get promoted or not, right? We can't control sometimes if we get fired or not, but we can control some of the aspects within that. And so mm-hmm. I, I, it always kind of goes back to in the situation, like what can you control and what can't? And most of the process things, if you're doing you know, process-oriented goals correctly, you can control most of those. And so it's, it's okay, I was doing these and I was getting a negative result, scratch those. I was doing these and I was getting a good result. Let's do these more often. And that's, we try to do that all the time, which is why we encourage journaling and writing things down. And when you perform well, why did you perform well? When you perform poorly, why did you perform poorly? Because then you're going to start creating this like book of you, right? Because again, there's no cookie cutter answer of how to perform your best and how to perform your worst, but you can figure it out over years and years and years of playing baseball and playing whatever and working and whatever you're doing. Like you should start to figure out what you need to do to perform your best and to set you up for the most success and also what derails you and what what can really get in your way. Yeah, no, I love that. And I love how you talked about how, you know, when you do well, no, like evaluate actually what worked well, do it again. When you don't do well, evaluate what didn't work and don't do that again or, or switch because a lot of times, and it's very frequent in sports where people say we learn more from our losses than we do from our wins and, and stuff of that nature. And, and, you know, I don't think anybody really knows the exact percentage of how much they learn from their losses and wins, but I, I, I think people don't think enough about the wins like the new england patriots don't learn more from their losses because they never lose but i think that the reason that a lot of teams win win and win is because they evaluate why they won and if you evaluate why you won then you can repeat that and and emulate that even further it's a a huge i don't know if i want to call it a secret but it's a huge game changer in the world of sports psychology and self-evaluation and self-awareness right is like and, and it's so easy to, it's so easy to like pick apart a loss or a fail or whatever you want to call it. It's so easy because of course there's mistakes you made, but then when we win and we're successful, we're like, chalk it up. Good day. Pat yourself on the back and we're out yeah. and that's it. And it's like, what are we doing? Right. If you don't, if you don't stop and think about what you just did to be successful, how in the heck are you going to replicate that? How are you going to do it again? Isn't that the whole goal? And so a huge part of self-awareness and self-evaluating is making sure you're evaluating when things go well. And that's why we try to meet with players when things are going well. And I'm like, are you writing it down? You just had a great outing yesterday. Did you write down why? Not just had a great outing yesterday, right? Like write something down that you controlled to make it a good outing. And I think that's, I think that's a huge separator because imagine if you wrote down everything you did when you performed well, right? And then you could go back and read a whole book on you to remind yourself like and then you're going to be flipping through it and you're going to read it and you're going to be like oh my god i haven't done that in three years why haven't i done that when i did that i used to perform so well and the reason you do that is because in life and in baseball you have so much information constantly thrown at you that like there's no way you're going to remember to do everything no. and and so you write it down and like or you write down a coach says something and you're like wow that really resonated with me that really makes sense in my brain i need to remember that go write it down because you're not people are like yeah i got up here i'm like no you don't you may right now, you may tomorrow, but I bet you in four days, you're not going to remember that. Like, it's just yeah. hard because we have so much information constantly thrown at us. So I think that's, I think if you're keeping track of the good stuff that you're doing and why you perform well, that's going to separate you from everybody else. It really, really is. 
Yeah, for sure. And and I can relate to this. I played I played baseball throughout high school and growing up and stuff. And I know that one of the things, especially I think people in all sports, but baseball especially, you get in your like pregame routines and your pre at bat routines and stuff like that. And if you get a hit, you're like, oh, it was because I tightened my batting gloves three times rather rather than twice or whatever. You know, stupid things like that. But not only does repeating those things that led you to success give you a leg up because maybe that pre-game routine that you did is actually better, but it's also just like the confidence builder that I am doing something that I believe is actually going to help me improve in my game. Whether or not it actually is, who knows, but if you just have the confidence, it's still a huge, gives you a huge leg up. Yeah. And I think what you're saying, like how I talk about that is right. We can never guarantee success right? Like we can't, like you could do everything right and still fail, especially in baseball and even in life. And so to me, it's, you know, we're not saying, Hey, do this and you're going to be successful. Right. But we are saying do this and you're going to give yourself a higher chance of being successful, or you're going to give yourself the greatest chance of being successful. If you do these things, because you know, when you do these, you have a more likely chance of being successful than if you didn't. And so Mm -hmm. like, at that point, it's like, why wouldn't you do it? And then a whole nother talk is routines versus superstitions. Like, right. Like yeah, routines yeah. are something you can control. Right. And that's why you feel confident when you do routines, you create consistency, which creates confidence, which all of a sudden we're getting good performance. Right. Where, and so we control routines, but superstitions control us. And it's like this crazy made up thing where we're like, you're giving power to your left shoe because you put it on before your right shoe. Like, what are we doing? Right. Like, no, create routines that create consistency, that create confidence, that gets you out of space where you have the highest chance to be successful as possible. And, and yeah, I think yeah. if you can do that, like that's, that's huge. That's so huge. Like, because there is such a high chance of failure. And so let's just make sure we can do everything in our power to be successful. And then we might still, we probably still won't be successful because seven out of 10 times we're not successful if we're really good at baseball. And so it's, it's remembering that we can only do what we can do, but we need to make sure of what we can do. We're doing everything in our power to do that. Yeah, God, I could I think we talk about this forever. When I am coaching my fitness clients to set their fitness goal, and then we create a strategy, it's like this strategy, it's not going to give us 100% chance of success, right? We're just creating this game or we're creating a bet that we have the highest belief in that we possibly can. And then we just have to have the faith that if we, if we do this, then it will give us the results. And then after a, per- a period of time, when we see results, then we can evaluate and be like, okay, how did this strategy work out? Do we need to make tweaks or should we keep going? Go back and constantly evolving. Yeah. And and maybe what's always worked doesn't work anymore. So we got to make an adjustment and that's okay too. Um, but right. yeah, I think that's, that's awesome. So uh, a little bit change of tune here, but I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to hear your thoughts or hear your experiences. What's it like being a female mental skills coach around a bunch of MLB players and about a bunch of guys, like, is it intimidating or how was that kind of going, getting into the, getting into it? Yeah. Yeah. I love this question. It definitely wasn't intimidating because I'm kind of scary myself. Um, it's funny. <laughs> like when, be, when people meet me, like it, seriously, if any of my friends hear this, like, they're going to be like, yep. I'm like, I have this like intimidating presence about me just because I'm like, I don't know. I'm just like waiting. Like, I'm like, hi, nice to meet you. Like, I'm not really afraid of anything. I'm like, let's talk, like, let's talk business. And so it's been really cool just to see how, you know, a quote unquote man's world, right. Which it is like predominantly men, mostly men. I mean, it's probably higher than 90% still in, in players and staff. Like you have to kind of figure out how do you fit into this world? Right. And, and it's like this weird balance of like, okay. Um, it's not my world and I do need to fit into it, but also I have some standards that I set and that I'm going to hold you guys accountable to. And so that's always been really unique to kind of figure that out and navigate that with them. But it's really cool to see all the different things of how they're trying to make it work. Right. Like even something as simple as like, well, you can't walk straight into the clubhouse, you know, like we got to figure ways around that. Well, we don't have any women's clothing, so you're going to wear men's basketball shorts and thank goodness you're 5'11 and have somewhat big feet for a girl because we have guy shoes that are in your size, you know, like, if I had size six women's shoes, like I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have, they would have had to special order me shoes, you know? And so it's, it's really unique just seeing how they, they try to make you fit in and it's great. And like, they're so awesome. And I was with the pirates before the Phillies um, in my first internship. And so I'm talking kind of to both organizations. They've both been like wide armed and excited, but I do think it takes 
a certain kind of female to be able to be successful in this world. Um, you know, and, and this is just my take on it. There's probably a bunch of different takes, but I do think you have to believe in your ability to stand up. I think you have to be able to stand up for what you believe in. I think you have to have a voice. I don't think you can be super quiet. And I just think there's so many things. Sometimes you can be silent. Yeah, exactly. So you don't think you your battles. I just completely, I just completely stopped you when you're on a roll, but I just, it just I love up. it. No, I love it. You're right. But I, I you kind of have to have a strong presence, right? Like you have to like be able to like hang with the guys and like, and that sometimes that's hard because like, you know, it's still baseball. Like there's still crazy things that happen and, you know, and you have to kind of decide like, what are you willing to put up with? What are you okay with? And I think that's the challenging part of being a mental skills coach, right? Is I'm asking you to come into my office, to talk to me and to be vulnerable and to be real with me. And so if all of a sudden, like you come in and you're cussing and I'm like, I don't do cussing, like, please don't cuss. Like then can can they authentically be themselves? Right. And so it's like this weird balance of like, I don't care. Come as you are. I want you to come as you are. But like, if you say something that's going to get me going, like, I'm going to, I'm going to call you out on it. And, and you kind of pick and choose moments where you can educate them and challenge them to like be better because of it. And just like they challenge me to do the same thing. It's great. It's, it's, I love it. I've always kind of grown up in sports. So the sports world is, is nothing new to me. It definitely has its challenges. And I think even specifically, this is the last thing I'll say about it is as a mental skills coach, right? I think it's harder to get your foot in the door as a female, just because it's predominantly always been men in any capacity and any career path. But I think specifically as a mental skills coach, once you're in, and if you're a female and you're good at your job, I think you might actually have an advantage because guys are more willing to open up or could be more willing to open up to a female, right? Maybe it's easier to be like, and I'm not very confident right now, right? Then it would be for them to say that to another male coach, right? Just male egos are a big thing. So it's kind of cool how you can use it as a strength when you need to. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's a 100% probably a truth that if you can get your foot in the door, then you have a high chance to almost be more successful than, than other males, because I do think guys are a lot more willing to open up because of the, they don't want to be demasculated by telling another guy that they're not confident in themselves. But, um, so I want to, I've brought up your mental sweat Mondays a couple of times now. So you guys need to make sure you go first off, follow her, but I'll get to that in a second, but follow hashtag mental sweat Monday. It's awesome. And like I said, you had started back in the beginning of 2019 and you've been super consistent with it ever since. And I think consistency just in general and whatever it is that anybody's doing is one of the number one things that you need to be able to do in order to be successful in whatever it is that you're doing. And I do think that the ability to be consistent in one thing transfers over to be consistent in other things. What has allowed you to be consistent with Mental Sweat Mondays, but then just what allows you to be consistent in general? Yeah. Um, I love that because that was one of my biggest concerns, right? Is like, I'm not going to start this and then fit and like, and then just stop, like do it for two weeks and then stop. And so I knew kind of going into it, like I'm, I'm pretty driven and I was like, okay, like if we're going to commit to this, like we're going to do it and like, see what happens. And then like, you know, you get a month and like, okay, next month. Okay. Next month. Okay. Six months. Okay. We got to go the full year. Like, let's do this. And it's kind of, it's cool. Like I didn't really know what it was going to evolve into and what it was going to be. Um, and we got some more things on the works that I'm working on too. But I think the consistency is what's created its power. Like, because everybody knows every Monday, there's going to be a one minute video out for you to watch. And like, it's, I actually took a little break um, after December, after doing it for a full year, because I challenged um, my audience to unplug. I was like, you guys got to unplug. And so I unplugged myself and it was like three weeks and I had people like diving in, like, where are you? Like, are you coming back? Please don't tell me this is the end of it. And I was like, wow, like I didn't really realize the impact it was making, but I, I couldn't agree with you more. That consistency is huge. And I will say I'm more consistent in some things than I am in other things, but I also think there's power in people keeping you accountable. And I feel like mm -hmm. there's like thousands of followers now who are like, Hey, we're waiting on you. And I'm like, I can't let them down. And so, I mean, there's days where like, I've been on eight hour flight delays and I haven't filmed it. And it's like Monday night. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, what am I going to do? And so I get on and I'm like, guys, I didn't want to do this, but I did it anyway. And then you kind of turn it into the message, um, which is kind of some of my favorite ones to do. They're just super authentic and super real, but yeah, I, I, I'm consistent in some things and not in other things. Like I, I I'm incredibly consistent in working out. Like I'm very passionate. I know I have to work out if I want to be my best self. And then I'm like, 
eh, on eating healthy, right? And so it's funny how <laughs> like I, I I do think consistency does go over to other things. And I think like once I get consistent again in the gym, like the food will follow. Like it's just easier to kind of pair those two together. Like you're like working hard for one thing. Why wouldn't you continue to work hard for the best results? And but I do, I am a huge believer that consistency creates more success. And and by getting those routines, routines and consistency are kind of all in one. Yeah. For yeah. me. I don't think you can have one without the other. And so it's creating routines and creating that consistency that creates the results that you really want. And it's hard to get results when you're not consistent. It's hard to get results when you don't have routines. And so it's, it's routines are incredibly important. Yeah. And um, I'm going to get to the last couple of questions here in just a second, but I think, and I honestly just kind of thought about this as you were talking about, and you said how I'm extremely consistent in working out and I'm consistent with posting these videos, but I'm not as consistent maybe in the eating healthy thing. But you mentioned how I'm consistent with one of the things that keeps me consistent with the videos is because I feel like I'm being held accountable to other people. So it's like, okay, so accountability in one area helps you be consistent. If you want to be more consistent in another area, how can you either hold yourself accountable to a higher level or have somebody else hold you accountable? And so I think being able to like transfer that is something that is uh, really important for anybody to be able to be able to do. Now I'm going to go fight with my husband because he doesn't hold me accountable on eating healthy. <laughs> <laughs> you can't, no, you can't blame me on that. You can't, you can't put that off. But on I me. do agree. Um, I absolutely agree. Like yeah. couldn't agree more. Awesome. All right. Well, down the last couple of questions. I think that a really important question that I found for myself and for the people that I work with in terms of getting closer to the best version of yourself is, okay, picture what the best version of yourself looks like down the road and then ask yourself what's a particular skill or piece of knowledge that the best version of yourself has that you don't currently have and then once you can kind of identify that thing start to take some action on it so the same question goes for you picture the best version of yourself what's a skill or a piece of knowledge that the best version of yourself has that you don't currently have Mm, that's a good question why are you going to put me on the spot like this? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, I love this question. I guess the skill I would say is public speaking. So I mm. know that's something I want to do. Um, and that's on my goal list. And, you know, I think Mental Sweat Mondays is a solid stepping stone and podcasts are stepping stones, right? To get me better at speaking and, and getting used to talking to audiences and stop saying, um, so much, you know, I'm about to say it right now, but I'm <laughs> trying not to say it, but exactly that. And so I think, uh, um, uh, See, now you got me rattled. <laughs> no, no, you're good. You're just, you're spending too much time thinking about it. But that's it. That's definitely it. It's definitely public speaking. I know I want to do that. I know I'm super passionate about it and I know I can be good at it. Like yeah. I absolutely know that. And so it's just a matter of really figuring out what those skills take and what I need to work on and what my strengths are in public speaking and what my weaknesses are and really honing in on those over the next couple of years. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. I'm I'm there with you. I, will, I definitely have that as one of the skills that I want to want to work on, and and that the best version of myself hopefully has that I don't currently have. But before I ask the last question, Hannah, I want to acknowledge you because first off, for your belief in yourself to be able to step into a male dominated industry like you have, and for you to be able to have the courage to have great conversations with people and um, have so much belief in your own ability to be able to thrive in this space and uh, continuing to do so uh, for a number of years now. And then also for your ability to be aware of maybe your some of the deficiencies and being able to now stop, be silent a little bit more and hear out what people have to say and, and let them get their full answers in when you ask them questions and stuff like that. So I think those things are super cool. Yeah, thank you. It's, it's definitely a work in progress. It does not always, happen always. overnight. Always, always. Well- I know you guys are going to want to make sure that you get more of her. So make sure you follow Hannah on Instagram at Hannah Huseman, on Twitter at Hannah underscore Huseman, and LinkedIn Hannah Huseman there as well. And make sure you follow hashtag Mental Sweat Monday. We'll have all that stuff linked up in the show notes. Uh, is there any other place that people should go follow you or su- go support you? Nope. I think you hit them all. Awesome. Awesome. Good deal. Well, the last question is that I think getting closer to the best version of yourself is a constant journey. I don't think that we're ever there. And I also think it's a unique journey. I think the way that I'm going to get closer to the best version of myself is going to be a little bit different than the way that you get closer to the best version of yourself. So for you personally, what are three things that you could currently do or three things that you could currently work on to get closer to that best version of Hannah Huseman that you could possibly be? Mm, Three things I could work on. 
um, one, eating less sugar. That's my physical one. <laughs> one is eating less sugar because I definitely believe that I have more confidence in myself when I feel good and when I look good. And like, and so that's absolutely a big one for me. Like, I know it's like, oh, like food, of course, but I know I'm my best self when I like love the way I look and I feel good. And, and so it's definitely less sugar, one less sugar Two, um, I would say continue educating myself on furthering my ideas. I don't want to give too much away, but I'm definitely working on expanding what I'm doing and, and, and like what the next steps are for mental sweat. And I don't really know a lot. I don't know a ton about the business world. I don't really know a ton about making a website and all of that. So definitely kind of continuing my education and my growth and not being daunted by it, but like just diving in and going for it. And, you know, just like we talked about the first mental sweats and the first podcast weren't great. And I know that, but I'm still like, I have that perfectionistic mindset. And I think that's why you become good at what you are, but I think it's hard to get started. And so I think it's like definitely um, checking myself and checking my ego and expanding more on those things. I don't know if that's one or two, but we'll take it as one. And then my last thing is to probably continue my education in sports psychology itself. So mm -hmm. I do continue to ed courses, but I could dive into research a lot more. And I, I, it's kind of a very time concerning thing. And I don't usually make that a priority. Um, and I would love to keep making sure I'm diving into the actual research of the field to just stay up and, and what's new and, and what's hot and if things are changing because things are always changing and evolving. Yeah. Awesome. Well, three great things. That's all we got today, Hannah. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a blast. Of course. There you have it. I hope you enjoyed this high energy and fun episode with Hannah. There was so much in there that you can use. The importance of being proactive with your mental performance rather than reactive. How to stop caring what others think. How to be present in any given moment. Her definition of mental toughness and so much more that you're going to want to have notes on so that you can remember them. Make sure you share this episode with a friend or family member you know. Send it to someone who you think would love to hear some of Hannah's story and some of the experiences and lessons that she shared. Or maybe you even know a Philadelphia Phillies fan that you'd like to send this to. You can send them to nickcarrier.com slash podcasts slash Hannah Huseman where they can find the audio, the YouTube video, and the show notes. But for now, it's time. It's time to take action. Be proactive with your mental toughness and performance. Be consistent with anything that you're trying to be successful in. Evaluate your current results and the actions that are leading you to them and adjust as you need to. Ask yourself what's helpful and what's hurtful. These are the things that Hannah sees works for herself. They're the things that work for the professional baseball players that she works with and they're the things that will get you closer and closer to your best you.